Have you ever been angry before? Have you ever been that angry before? Maybe you know a friend that has been. Uh, I think we've all been angry. It's kind of a rhetorical question. We've all been angry at some point uh, before. Uh, I, we have a, a coffee machine, a very nice biz hub in the office there. And uh, this is a, not a, a video of me, but uh, someone, I, I felt a little bit like this guy uh, last week because our copy machine uh, would not copy and there was a paper jam in about five different places, and we could not find it. Copy machines, I think, are like from the devil uh, sometimes, and you just want to take a bat uh, or maybe uh, a computer or whatever you can find and like uh, get justice on the copy machine because it just is not working. You just kind of, seems like everything's going great right now, and uh, for this gentleman, and he's thinking, well, this is not doing what it's supposed to do, because that's the way copiers are. They don't really do what they're supposed to do all the time, and let's look and see if that's the reason. Nope, no, nope, that's that's not it. Uh, oh, oh, no, that's not good. He, he seems like he's under control, though. Let's help the situation out a bit by bringing my computer over to the copy machine, and... <laughs> That is how we'll do it right there. Yes. Have you ever felt like that before with a copy machine? I wonder if that would work. Um, I was uh, watching a video a couple weeks ago. I think it was Sports Center. The number one player in the world, golfer. He's playing a golf course, and uh, he's he's got his name's Rory McIlroy at the time, and uh, he hits a shot. And maybe this is just like a picture. If you had a video of you all the time on the course, he just he hits it, and uh, it does not go the way that uh, he wants it to go. It it uh, instead of going right, it goes left, as it does sometimes in golf. And uh, yep, right in the water. Even the best players in the world do that. And uh, he no longer has a golf club in his hand. I don't know if you noticed that part. Uh, because, there you go. I did that one time and I broke a club on my golf bag. And because I'm so cheap, I never did that again. But uh, maybe you felt that way before. Golf club. I, I was in a, a parking lot once at Memorial. We took the kids uh, to go to the park and it was so crowded. It was a Saturday. Parking places were, spaces were at a, a, a max. People were, were so desperate for places. One opened up, and two cars almost at the same time went for the space. And just out of fear, I think the one just allowed the other one to go in. But that set off just a massive fight. Both people get immediately out of their car. The guy just left his car on right there in the middle of the parking lot and just bah, 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 bah. And the words, it was earmuffs, kids, earmuffs, earmuffs, earmuffs. Uh, get them in the car before something else could erupt from that situation. There's something about cars and traffic, isn't it? How many of you ever have been in traffic in Houston, maybe, and you do something, you don't even know what you did, and suddenly you look over and someone is giving you like the double finger salutes. Uh, if you get the double, that's really bad. <laughs> but sometimes it happens and you don't even know what. <laughs> what did I do? The iceberg, the mountain just moved. There we go. I don't even know what I did. And, and just bam, bam, bam. There's just the look on their face, the anger that's there. That car situation can get us. 
Anger does things to us, doesn't it? And let's don't even bring about up politics. We're in the middle of politics, but that has a way of getting us, doesn't it? And uh, kids, oh, the kids. The kids can, can push some buttons, can't they? So what do you do? Because we all get angry, right? You know, we can, we can say this out loud. We all get angry. What's your reaction? What's your reaction when you do get angry? Are you super physical? Like, do you, are you the person that just, you are the two-gun salute person in traffic because it's just, you've, you've got to get that out somehow. Or maybe you've got to find something to hit. Like, so there are multiple new paintings in your house, and you're selling with the paintings when someone comes into your house because there's holes in the, in the drywall. Or, or, or maybe it's, it's you're in a verbal assassin. You or when you, when you get angry about something, you just, it just stores up inside and then it just unleashes with words toward people. Or sometimes it's through slander or gossip. I'm just going to tell the world about what this person's done to me. And it's going to be one way or another. I'll just, I'll just get it out there. And, or, or maybe your superpower, you have this superpower. It's like the death stare. And I know some of you do have it. I've seen it before. It's the, I'm mad, and now I'm going to penetrate your skull with my laser beam eyes of death. Could be that superpower there. Or maybe you are the kind that is silent but violent. Uh, and not in that way. Um, but you are a stuffer. You're, you get upset about some things. People have ticked you off. Things have, people have hurt you, and it is just, you just stuff, 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 and you have got a, a ledger in your heart and your mind that is super long. You remember back 1992, the date was, or the year was, and you can remember details of the things that were done to you and just the things that you can remember. Maybe you're passive aggressive. Man, the mountain keeps moving. We might need to have a, a mountain holder. There we go. Um, Passive-aggressive. You just unleash your anger in, in other ways that, that's not necessarily verbal, but indirectly that's there. And you wonder, who is this person? And, and maybe we inherit some of that stuff, the way that we react to our anger. I'm, I'm starting to sense that with, with my kids. Uh, there's just something that happens when one of my kids disrespects Melanie. There's a, just a switch that flips in me and it just brings me back, and I remember some reactions that my dad had. This, that suddenly just, it just seizes up inside side of me. And sometimes it's frightening, my reaction, and how quick I respond to it. It's there. There's this guy, uh, he passed away, um, Yogi Berra, baseball. We're just talking a little bit about baseball today. Yogi Berra, uh, the, the Astros hopefully will make the, uh, the playoffs. We can pray for them later. Uh, he was a baseball catcher for the Yankees. He passed away 90 years old. He was kind of known for these phrases and kind of words of wisdom and things that were there. And it, he would say things like this, nobody goes there anymore, it's too crowded. Uh, or he would say, maybe you heard this one, it ain't over till it's over. My favorite one is this one, though. Little League Baseball is, is a very good thing because it keeps the parents off the street. And he's just kind of known for these just kind of everyday Joe kind of sayings, wise things. And, uh, you know, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, the Bible is like that. And James in the New Testament is kind of the Proverbs, the wisdom lit of the New Testament. And for some of you, James is, is one of your favorite books because it's practical. It is uber, uber practical. It tells you as a Christ follower, here's some things that you need to put into practice. James is the author. He's the half-brother of Jesus, and he is writing to Christians that are scattered 
across the region. These are Christians that at the time are being persecuted, that don't have a lot of, of, of worldly goods. They're alone, and they're trying to learn how to live out this new faith, this, this following Jesus thing. And so if you would turn to James chapter 1, uh, Garen kicked us off in the series Beneath the Surface, and we're going to keep on looking in, in chapter 1. We'll start with verse 19 there. It says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word of God planted in you, which can save you. Let's pray. God, you're so good to us. Thank you for your word that is living and active, Lord, that, that speaks to us today, Lord, in a powerful way, God. Help us to be hearers of your word, doers of your word, Lord. We praise things in your name. And everyone said? Amen. It tells us this. Listen, human anger does not, it doesn't lead to kingdom places. In fact, it destroys. And you've seen that, right? You've seen that in very real ways. And we'll just say other people. You've seen it in the lives of others. You've seen it destroy families. You've seen it destroy marriages. Relationships have crumbled because of the things that have said, have come out in anger. And things that, that can't be forgotten. And they have just, just crumbled and, and just blown up the fabric of our lives in many ways. And we see that in other people really well, but it's hard to see it in our own life. This uh, author, James Bryan Smith, he writes this book, The Good and Beautiful Life, and he talks about this life that God calls us to live in this kingdom life. And he talks about anger and ways that we can, we can deal with anger. And, and he talks about two kinds of anger. First one is visceral, and the second one is meditative. Visceral is, the, is really the kind of reactionary anger. It's when something happens and you just suddenly just react quickly. Uh, and a waiter spills something on you. Uh, you hit a bad golf shot uh, and suddenly woo, 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 the club is flying or something else is flying out of your mouth. And it just kind of simmers out of the, your mouth or reactions. And, and that's kind of really the, the, the idea of the series. There's things that are happening beneath the surface and we see 10% but 90% is who we are. It's our character. And so sometimes we get glimpses of that. So that's a visceral anger. Now, meditative anger is a little different. It's, it's, when we, it's a little bit more common, and it's, it's more damaging. And uh, it's the kind of anger that simmers for a while. And we stew on things, things that are said, things that are done. And it becomes worse over time. And we can work on this anger more easily because th there are narratives in, in our lives. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But these anger, the, both these angers are fueled by two things. Two things. The first one is, is this, unex unmet expectations. Things did not go the way you wanted them to go. Things did not go the way you thought they should go or they should have gone. They did not, I did not get what I want. I did not get what I want in this situation. And then when you couple that with fear, that's when anger explodes. Now, how does this play out? You're, you're supposed to meet someone uh, for a lunch at 12 o'clock. You're, you're going to meet at Willie's. And uh, you're supposed to meet at 12 o'clock, and you're looking at your watch. It's 12.05, nobody. 
You haven't heard a text, haven't gotten a phone call, nothing. 12.10, still no one. 12.15, you're starting to get a little upset. You've only got an hour for lunch, and your friend knows this. Where are they? I can't believe they are not showing up. 12.20 is here, and suddenly it's just, it's boiling inside of me, of you. They don't respect my time. They don't respect me. They don't respect me. How, they're just wasting my, my time here. And, and if this was someone else, they would have been here right on. They would have been here exactly. They would have been here early. You know, they just don't care anything about me. And so these things begin to churn. These, these fears begin to churn in, into our, our mind. And they, they fuel this, I'm not getting what I'm, I want from there. And then they show up and say this. You know, I'm sorry. I... I totally forgot about lunch until about a few minutes ago, and I just threw my clothes on and came here. And now you are really, you didn't even, that's how much you, and you unleash. Now, how does the scene change if they come into Willie's and suddenly they have a bandage on their forehead? And there's even a little bit of maybe blood still because they're they're holding this bandage and you're not going to believe what just happened. I was in a car accident. I was going to be here early, but... And suddenly the, the scene changes. But these things, these conversations, these fears that are inside of us, these voices. And, and, and he talks about it this way. There are some false imperative narratives that are inside of us. And here are some of the fears that we have that are, that are just fueling this anger. A couple of them. I am alone. There's this fear of being alone. Things always have to go the way I want them to go. They always have to go the way... I want them to go. I have to be in control all the time. Something terrible will happen if I make a mistake. Life must always be fair and just. I need to anticipate everything that will happen to me today because if I don't, what will happen? I need to be perfect all the time. So taking these things, like I must be in control, the fear behind the narrative is that I'm not, if I'm not in control, things are going to go badly. And so this false narrative, it's, just, it's full of fear, and it's, it's full of this need to be in control. We need to be in control, or at least be able to manage that. But, but God has called us to, to live a little differently. And in fact, Garen was talking to us last week about how James really does. He was there probably for the Sermon on the Mount. And so we, we hear these things that, that Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount, and they're, they're very similar to what we hear in James. So if you flip to Matthew 5, 21, Jesus says this. Remember he's preaching, and this, is, this sermon is, is very important because there are narratives and there are stories in the lives of people, and in our lives as well, that we've heard all of our lives, and the people that are hearing this sermon have heard. But Jesus is flipping the script. He's saying, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. So he'll say things like this. You've heard it said, or you've seen it all your life. You've seen it play out this way. You've seen examples of this. But I tell you, he says that a lot in this sermon. So here's the one from 21. You've heard it said to people long ago, you should not murder. By the way, that's a very good thing to do is not murder. You shouldn't kill people. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment, okay? But I tell you this, that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Wait just a second, Jesus. I mean, I'm doing everything I can not to go over and to to hit that person or to tell that person off. 
You're telling me that I can't even have that conversation inside of my heart and my mind? Yes, that's what Jesus is saying. Now, now, why is he saying that? Because he's not interested in behavior modification. He's interested in heart transformation. Did you hear me? God's not interested in just changing your behavior. He's interested in changing your heart, thus changing your behavior. Because when your heart is transformed, your behaviors follow. And that's what the kingdom of God is all about. And the Father who loves you, he loves you so much, he's concerned about your heart more than the rules that are, are in your life. He wants to change your heart, and the heart will influence what comes out that's there. So the, the hearers of this, are, are this, is a, this is a hard word because there, there's been such a, a focus on rules. And maybe you've had a life that's been so focused on on rules. And maybe your faith is so focused on rules. This was hard for the, the people to hear and to understand. Because for them, especially the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, there was always conflict there. In fact, Jesus gets into a major conflict one time and he says, listen, you've got a problem. You're worried so much about the outside of your cup, but the inside of your cup is disgusting. Your heart is disgusting. Maybe you're good at hiding stuff. Maybe you don't explode in the parking lot. But your heart is just, you have so much hate in your heart for your brother, for people you work with, your boss, your sister that did you wrong. It, it's there, and it's going to destroy you. I thought about this verse this week. Uh, I take Briley and Quinn to, to school, and they had, a, they had these little uh, cups that they take around everywhere. And the morning before, they had milk in one of those cups, and they left it in the car. Yeah, you can go there. Uh, and so the next morning, we get in the car, and one of them grabs one of the cups, and it's just like a slow motion scene. No! I stopped it from happening, okay? But just, ugh, I just thinking about that milk inside just now disturbs my mind and my stomach. Uh, but, but that's what he's saying. Listen, the outside of the cup looks great, but the inside is, is nasty. It's, it's gross. And you know people like that, or maybe you feel like that. You feel like that you're doing a great job of fooling everybody on the outside. But the inside is a mess. The inside's a mess. And so how do we change this? How do we change the inside? Andrew Lester, he has this book. It's called, Andrew, it's called The Angry Christian. He says this, change occurs only when a person's stories are reconfigured. They're reframed. They're reauthored. The only way to change is to change our narrative. We have the capacity to develop new images. And this is this new narrative is to replace those that produce undesirable scripts or stories, which makes us vulnerable to anger. We can change our narratives. It will not be quick or easy, but it is possible. And that's what the kingdom of God is all about. That's what we want to be as a church. We have this phrase that we use, reimagine life with Jesus. That's our hope. That it wouldn't be just, well, I'm doing this, this, and this. I'm trying to be religious. No, we want a full life with Jesus. We want a good and rich life full of hope and peace and joy that comes with knowing Jesus Christ and being a part of the kingdom. So he starts to flip the narrative. And so when we follow this kingdom, when we trust in this kingdom, things start to change. Instead of the feelings and the fears of you know, I'm not alone, they're replaced with, 
you know what? You're never alone. Jesus is always with you. Things always have to go as I want them to go. I have to be in control. No, the script is this. The narrative is this. God is in control. Trust that God has your best in mind. Something terrible will happen if I make a mistake. You know what? Mistakes are going to happen. You're not perfect all the time, but we're thankful that we have a God that is full of grace and mercy, and things are going to work out okay. Life must be always fair and just. Folks, life is not fair. We live in a broken world, and it's not fair, and it's not just sometimes, but God gets the last word. He is redemptive. He is working things out, even the awful things in the world can be redemptive and be worked out for the good. I need to anticipate everything that will happen to me today. No matter what happens to me today, I am content in Christ. I need to be perfect all the time. Jesus accepts me even though I'm not perfect. These can become a reality when we trust and put our faith into Jesus Christ. And some of the angry responses that come out can be different. The script can be different. So time out, time out. I'm thinking through the Bible. Maybe you're thinking through the Bible right now, and you think, well, didn't, didn't Jesus get angry? I mean, you remember that. I mean, a couple times Jesus got angry. I mean, it says it, and I didn't just, that's in my Bible, just like it's your Bible. It was one time, remember in the temple, that he got angry. Why did he get angry? Do you remember? People were, were selling things in, in, the, the, in the house of God. And, and the heart of the matter that was going on there is the people that were selling that stuff, the, the, the sacrifices, they were taking advantage of people. They were pulling up the prices and taking advantage in, in God's house. And, and that, <laughs> that doesn't sit well with, with Jesus. And another example that tells us that Jesus got upset, there was a man with a shriveled hand. He had a, it doesn't give us a lot of detail, but his arm was messed up. And he was at the temple. It was on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were there. And basically, it was one of the, what is he going to do kind of situation. And, and, and Jesus looks into their hearts and sees that their hearts are hardened. There's just this hard hearts. And, and basically, he says, well, what's the, the right thing? What's the good thing to do here? Is it to heal this person, to give life, or to honor the, the rules? Is it better to, to, to honor the spirit of what the rules are saying, the law, or it just to be a cross the T and dot the I person? And, and Jesus says it's better to have life and to give life, and he heals the man. And the reaction, and, instead of this this celebration of, of good that's happened, it's, I can't believe he did that kind of reaction. Jesus takes an anger and he turns it into good and produces something positive. Have you been angry, maybe in a righteous way? Because it kind of feels like in the Bible, there are times where it's kind of a, a good thing to be angry. There's some things in our world that should upset us, should make us a little angry. I don't know, some of the, the times that make me the, the angriest inside, when I see kids hurt, abused, when I see stories, they're just, just, just horrible. I've experienced firsthand stories when I've seen kids taken advantage of, and they, there's just this righteous anger that I want to make things different, 
to fuel something different and not to be taken out on somebody, but just this isn't right. The world shouldn't be this way. And I think Jesus uh, was like that. There was a, a woman, um, I think she kind of had some of that as well. Her name is Candace Leitner. And uh, in California in 1980, maybe you remember her, the name sounds familiar, but uh, in 1980, her 13 year old daughter was hit uh, in a hit and run accident by a drunk driver. And uh, the, the, the driver that hit her just essentially left her, her body on the, on, the, on the road and took off. And come to find out, he had, had five uh, convictions for DUI up to, up to that point. So she took a, a, an awful moment, a ter- an unthinkable moment. And what did she do? She formed this thing called MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving which was basically the, the, the fuel of that was that incident, but it began to be a positive, to bring down DUI or dr- driving drunk statistics uh, across our country, awareness, laws, things that were out there. They claim that because of the, the start of, of MAD, that 50% de- decline from that time. Now, we don't know if that stat's true or not, but if it's any at all, taking something that's so horrible and turn it into something good. So taking this righteous anger into, into fueling into something positive. There are alternative images and things to anger. And God begins to give us these things. And James, what did he say? There's that, that verse that we probably should have memorized. It's a good one. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, if we could just remember that. We could just live that out. Quick to listen, slow to, yeah. We get those mixed up sometimes, right? It's real easy. Quick to listen, to listen. You know what I found out is some of the wisest people, if you read the book of Proverbs, they say this all the time. It's not the people that are, it's the people that are the best listeners are the wisest. I was uber impressed with, um, with Josh Vandervoort. Uh, the first time I met him, I think, I'm trying to think of how old he was, but uh, I, I spent some time with Josh, and I knew instantly this kid is different. Even at a young age, he is a wise kid. Josh was probably 13 or 14, and what stood out to me about Josh immediately was this. Someone at his age, he was more interested in what I had to say than what he had to say. He was great at asking questions. He's great at asking questions. And he would have this conversation. Melanie and I spent, our, I think, our first time with him, and we're like, that kid's different. <laughs> and in a great way, because he's a great listener. When you're a great listener, you are a great learner. You're interested in learning, and learning about other people, and caring about other people. Uh, my friend uh, in, in Nashville they have a church, and uh, they're in the middle of a, a really um, economically uh, diverse community, really low-income community, and uh, it's in the, close to, to downtown Nashville, and uh, a lot of the people, it, it's amazing, the church has kind of been there for a while, a lot of people come in for miles and miles to, to go to church there, and, and what they had, they had a vision for doing a vacation Bible school and really just going out into the neighborhood and, and inviting anybody and everybody. We're going to pick you up. We're going to bring people in. And uh, 
we're going to bring you in for this awesome week. And so they brought in tons and tons and tons of kids. And all these kids were everywhere. And they were, at first, they're you know, excited about the numbers. And then the very first night, though, something happened. It was chaos. I mean, these kids, were, there were fights happening. There were verbal fights, thing, words that you have never heard in church before. Uh, there were just physical fights. And it was just, ah! This happened the second night. And they were just, what, what are we going to do? It's hard to even get any positive things from this with this atmosphere. And, and one person was just kind of paying attention and listening to conversations and just watching kids. And something just light bulb moment. These kids are starving. These kids are hungry. You know what? It's, it's hard to be kind to someone when you are hungry. I get very hangry about 1245. Uh, staff can attest. So what did they do the, on Wednesday? They ordered pizza. The first thing that they, they did, they ate a bunch of pizza before vacation Bible school. And guess what happened? The atmosphere of the room totally changed. They listened. Quick to listen, slow to speak. If we could remember that in our relationships, how many times... Do our kids react in certain ways, but we know the reaction isn't the real problem, right? What's really going on here? What's really, what's really happening here? What's really trying to, be, is trying to be communicated here? What if we stopped in our marriages and said, I, he, he's saying this or doing this. She is saying this or doing this, but what's really happening here? I want to hear, not just listen, but hear. Let us be quick to listen and slow to speak. Another picture Jesus gives us, another thing, practical way that can help us. Back to Matthew 5, and he says this, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember, this is right after the conversation about, about our hearts and this hate in our hearts, and there remember that your brother and sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and, and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gifts. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So two kind of practical situations. First one is this. There's this scene in church. Now, there's just something about church, Okay. When I come to church, and I usually sit in kind of these areas, but something, sometimes I sit in the back areas, um, but something about coming into this room or to a church building, when we start to sing songs, we pray, and the presence of God is in, in this place, things begin to happen inside of me. I, don't, I can't speak for you. Sometimes I, I get very thankful, get very grateful. I think about the words and the songs, God, your grace. I think about my past and how you've set me free and what you've done for me and there's no condemnation and, and just, just the freedom that God brings. And there's other times I come into this place and something about the Spirit of God just, it just pokes my heart and my gut. Do you remember when you said this? Do you remember what you did in the week? Do you remember how you hurt that person? And these things just become, speak loud to me here. And I, I kind of think this is the reason why a lot of people don't come to church sometimes. They, they know that they're going to hear that voice, and they would rather try to 
buffer or just not hear it. But when I hear that voice, it is an opportunity for us. Now, here's the opportunity. When you come into the temple, what he's saying is when you come to sacrifice uh, and be in God's presence, if you remember that suddenly you have something against a brother or they have something against you, there is some tension there. Go and make things right with that person. Go and make things right. Now, here is something I never noticed about this. He's talking to people in Galilee. Galilee is about three days' journey to Jerusalem. So what he's saying is this. The sacrifice is an animal, okay? So you come and give your sacrifice, leave your animal there, journey three days, make things right, and come back. Just, that's a big deal. You have to kind of go in, out of your way to do that. And God is calling us to make things right with each other. There are a lot of people in this room, can we be honest? There are a lot of people around our community that things can't be right with God. You wonder why, man, my, my relationship with God is not going well. But there are, there are things in your heart and your life with other people that are not well. Make things right with people. And your relationship with God will be good, will be better, and will be clear. And that's what he's communicating to us. And that helps us as we deal with, with, with this anger. The second part of that little uh, illustration was this. If, if you've got a thing against your brother, if, you've got, if, if your brother's taking you to court, compromise. Don't go to court about something. But instead, of work things out with each other. And sometimes that means letting people off the hook. A couple of weeks ago, I was at uh, a restaurant, and I came out, I was pulling out with my car, and I looked one way, I looked the other way, I looked behind me, I looked everywhere, I start to pull out, and bam. And it's, it was one of those that sounds worse than it is kind of thing, but immediately, I knew what had happened. There was a sweet lady that, that was, an uh, older lady that was in her car, I think it was a Civic, and uh, she was right there, and we, I just backed right into her, bump. And I got out, and I just, I mean, I feel terrible, and I look at the car, and there's just a, you know, there's nothing really with mine. There's a couple of just kind of scrapes with her car, and, uh, you know, I, I apologize. We exchanged numbers, and something immediately happened. Now, you've been in that situation before, and it's immediately either you did this or that, or there's anger, or there's reaction, uh, or there's immediately in their mind, they're going, let me take advantage this situation. This is an opportunity for me. This is an opportunity for me. But immediately, instead of seeing opportunity, immediately instead of reacting in anger, she took the hook out of me. She let, the, the, she let me off the hook and said, you know what? It's okay. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. She gave me mercy in such a, a small way. But God is calling us to give mercy to others. And when we give mercy to others, mercy is received. So this morning, as we get ready to kind of close today, um, let's ask Garen to come up. And um, You know, the way of the kingdom is different. It's different than the, the, the world's way. The way that we should hangle, ha- handle anger is different. And let's be honest, there's times that we get angry. There's things inside of us. There's a, a right way to deal with things. There's a productive way to deal with things. There's sometimes there's even a, a righteous anger inside of us that, that maybe we can fuel us to doing good things in this world. There's things in our heart, though, for some of us that are not right. 
And, and here's what Jesus is saying. And he says this at the end of the, king, at the, end of the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. He said, there's, there's, kind of, there's two ways that you can play this. You can hear my words. You can hear these words of wisdom, these kingdom words, these words of life, words that will heal your heart. You can listen to those. You can follow those and build your life on a solid foundation. Or you can ignore them. You can ignore them and your life will crash. You'll build a, a lot, your house on a, a sandy foundation and it will, it'll crash when the storms of life come. Yogi Berry says this, keep trying, stay humble, trust, I don't know if he was a believer, trust your God, most importantly, act. When you come to a fork in, a, in the road, you take it. Jesus says this, hear my words and to put them into action. Make a decision. Now, I think a lot of people believe in God, but I don't know if a lot of people trust in God. I don't know if they trust in God enough to say, your way is my way. I believe that you, you know what's best for me. You, want, you know what's best for my heart. I, I trust you, God, in your way. I trust that, God, you're gonna be the one that takes vengeance. I don't need to take vengeance. Vengeance is yours. I don't need to repay evil with evil. I'm gonna take good and what the evil that happens to me and I'm gonna replace it with good. I'm gonna love my enemy. I'm gonna forgive even the unforgivable things of our life. And can we be honest? There's some things in our heart, there are things in our past, there's things that people that have said, there's things that people that have done that you don't want anyone to know about and you, you're trying to get past those things and you need God's help. You need God to, to heal your heart. You need to reach your hand out and you need to trust in Him. You've surrendered maybe some behaviors, but you've never trusted Him with your heart before to transform your life, to transform everything. So we just invite you this morning to, to bow your heads and close your eyes. Is there, a, is there an area of your life that's just... There's unsettlement. There's hurt. There's brokenness. There's, a, there's just some places that you, quite honestly, are just angry. You're angry about things that have been done to you. Maybe this week, maybe years ago. And you've allowed things to just germinate and to fester. And it is destroying you. And you need to let some things go this morning. You need to allow God to intervene in your heart, to come in, to be planted in your heart and to do a new work in you. You need to trust him this morning. Maybe there is a relationship that needs mending and you need the courage. You need the courage to be able to be the, the person that says the first thing, to act first, to let somebody off the hook, to show mercy. This morning, maybe, God, you want, you want God to, to give you new pictures and images, new ways to, to handle when you, you feel those feelings inside instead of reacting. You, wanna, you need God's help this morning to just stop and to slow down and to ask the question, what's really going on here? God, give me wisdom. This morning, we're going to sing. I just invite you to make this 
house a house of prayer. There's altars in the front. You can make your, your seat an altar. You can move where you want to move. But this is a great chance to just be real with God. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we pray this day. God, search our hearts, Lord. We take off the mask. We take off the things that are on the outside that we're trying to fool so many people, Lord. And you see right into our hearts today, God. You know what no one else knows. Lord, we thank you that you're a God that that knows everything. You see everything. You've heard everything. You've seen every scene of our life, God, and you extend grace. You give us better pictures, Lord, better ways to react, better ways to live. Lord, thank you, God, for your mercy in our life, God, that was extended to us. God, we thank you that even in our sin, you loved us enough to provide a way for us to be free. You've given us salvation and freedom through an act, a selfless act on the cross. And God, we are grateful today, God. Lord, I I pray for the person today that's sitting here and, and, and Lord, they've never put their trust in you. They believe in you. They've maybe grown up in church. They know all the answers, but the truth is that they haven't put their trust and their faith in you. They don't follow you every day. They follow some of the things that you you say, but Lord, they haven't given their heart to you to be molded and to be shaped by you, God. Lord, today, Lord, I pray for the courage, Lord, to, to, to reach out a hand to you and say, I surrender all. I give you everything. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my mind, my soul, my strength. Lord, I give you my family. I give you my marriage. I give you my kids. I give you my job. It's all yours. I give you my future, Lord. It's yours. Mold me and shape me into you who you've called me to be. And may it begin with my heart, Lord, and may my actions follow, Lord. God, help us to live out this faith that you've called us to live. Lord, help us to slow down in the moments that are are so tension-filled at school, at the office. Lord, help us to see past the exterior and see beneath the surface to what really is happening in the lives of people around us. Help us to have compassion and extend mercy to those, Lord, who maybe are reacting one way, but their hearts are so broken and so in need. God, may we be the light. Maybe we, the, the person that, that, that gives compassion to those who need it the most, Jesus. Lord, sometimes those people are the people that are right beside us, the people that, that sleep beside us in the same bed. We need to extend mercy to and forgiveness. The people that live down the hall or people that we've been related to our whole lives. God, I pray that for the person this morning that needs the courage to go out and make things right today, not wait till tomorrow, but today, to make a phone call, to to pay a visit, or maybe to write a letter, or maybe just to let go today. Someone that, that can't be talked to or can't be visited, who's been gone for a while, maybe just the release today of, I forgive. I forgive. Thank you for forgiving me. I let go. I let them off the hook. Jesus, we know that you can do it. We don't have the power to do that within ourselves. We're not capable of that, God. We're human. That's why we need something that's not human. We need your spirit in our lives, God, and we want to live that out, Jesus. 
God, help us to be faithful to you this week in all that we do and all that we say. We want to bring glory and honor you. We pray these things in your name. And everyone said, amen.